Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, they found the telephone and described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Murder. Poison is known as a woman's weapon of choice. But on June 1st, 1990, a man was found guilty after a number of people in his immediate circle kept getting sick and kept dying. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Stephen David Catlin, born in 1944, was adopted when he was just an infant by a family living in Kern County, California. When he was still in high school, he dropped out and showed very little interest in making an honest living. Something proven by his forgery charge at just 19 years old that landed him in the California Youth Authority camp. After a stormy first marriage in 1966, Stephen married for a second time. After a stormy first marriage in 1966, Stephen married for a second time. The problem was, he wasn't divorced from his first wife. Shortly after the wedding, he was arrested for stealing credit cards and sent to Chino for three years. Once he was released, his first wife left him, and he was able to legally marry the other woman. But this relationship was just as doomed as the first one, and ended after just 10 months. He married for a third time for just 8 months, and then acquired a fourth wife, Joyce. Around the time he married Joyce, he began working on the pit crew for racer Glendon Emery. This was where he met Glendon's stepdaughter and began a relationship with her while, you guessed it, still married to Joyce. Then, in April of 1976, Joyce grew ill. What was first presumed to be the flu soon found her admitted into Bakerfield's Mercy Hospital, where she took a sudden turn for the worse and died from what one could assume was pneumonia. Her grief-stricken husband immediately cremated her remains. Hospital officials suspected something was amiss with Joyce's death, but their suspicions wouldn't be confirmed until much later. Joyce's passing left Stephen open and able to marry Glenna Kay. 
the woman whom he was courting while still married. They were wed in May of 1977 and moved to Fresno, where Stephen worked at a local garage. Soon he found himself in charge of its 40 employees, and things seemed to be going well. But Stephen always wanted more. More money, more status, and more wives. On October 28, 1980, Stephen's father died suddenly of a fluid buildup in his lungs, much like Joyce. But his was attributed to the cancer, and his body was cremated at the insistence of his son. Shortly after his father's death, employees at the garage noticed a number of missing parts. A quick look into his background turned up a criminal record, and Stephen was forced to resign, leaving him with no money to fund the life he wanted. Then, Glenna fell ill while visiting Las Vegas with her mother. When she returned, she was hospitalized for, you guessed it, fluid buildup in her lungs. She died on March 14, 1984. With her death came a $57,000 life insurance policy. Oh, and Stephen already had another fiancé, whom he met while visiting one of his various family members who entered the hospital. Everything seemed to be going well until a suspicious ex-wife did some digging. Stephen's third wife found it hard to believe that so many people in Stephen's company died mysteriously of the same condition. So she gathered some information and went to the authorities. The problem was, most of the bodies were already cremated. But remember when I said that officials involved in Joyce Catlin's murder were suspicious? Well, they retained some of her tissue samples on the off chance that they were correct. Those samples were sent for analysis in November of 1984. But before the results could come in, one more person in Stephen's life was sent to the hospital. On December 8th, Stephen's mother, Martha, collapsed and died of a suspected stroke after visiting with her son. Her body was, of course, sent for cremation, but officials postponed the process so an autopsy could be done. The results of the test showed signs of an herbicide called Paraquat. The only body where any tests were done at the time of death was Joyce Catlin's. But a test that could detect the presence of Paraquat didn't exist until the year following her death. Had it not been for Stephen's ex-wife, all of the bodies may have been cremated before testing could be done, and Stephen may have gone on killing for years. When investigators searched Stephen's home, they found a bottle of Paraquat with his fingerprints all over it in his garage. Stephen had been collecting wives and collecting insurance policies since 1974 and had even killed the parents who adopted him and tried to give him a good life. He was the sole beneficiary of his mother's estate and thought that, due to his many divorces, she was ready to disinherit him and send her money to charity. Stephen Catlin was charged with the murder of Joyce Catlin and his mother, Martha Catlin, on December 23, 1985. This didn't stop him from marrying his sixth and final wife, and shortly after, he was indicted for the murder of Glenna K. Catlin. He was found guilty for all three murders at separate trials, June 1, 1990 being the verdict date for Joyce and Martha, and received both life imprisonment and the death penalty. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 2nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.